As unlikely as it once seemed, by the turn of the century, it increasingly felt like the age of nuclear weapons was quietly coming to an end. Maybe the nuclear genie could be put back in the bottle after all. Then the pendulum reversed, with the Iranian government's increasing determination to join the nuclear club. As with most big decisions, this one was a process, not an event, but the supreme leader and mullahs who led the Islamic Republic concluded that it was in their nation's best interest to develop nuclear weapons, and the missiles to deliver them to enemies, near and far. The nuclear genie was back in business, and this time in one of the most historically violent yet economically important regions of the world. There was hope for a while that the major nuclear and economic powers would act in unison to force a change in Iranian policy and prevent a new nuclear standoff. The presumption by many was that this was an issue former Cold War adversaries could, should, and would agree on. As it turned out, the Russian and Chinese governments, after initially voting in favor of sanctions, eventually came to see a nuclear Iran more as a valued commercial customer than a threat to world peace. They're not alone in their views. A small but influential contingent of Western scholars and policymakers have portrayed an Iran-Israeli nuclear standoff as analogous to the Cold War. They believe, based largely on Cold War outcomes, that the risks created by a nuclear-armed Iran would be manageable, and that a new balance of power in the region might lead to greater stability and peace. After all, they reasoned, the Cold War led to nearly fifty years of peace in a previously violent European continent and made it possible for new political forces to emerge that were generally peaceful, economically successful, and largely democratic. The most prominent proponent of this view was the late Kenneth N. Waltz, senior research scholar at the Saltzman Institute of War and Peace Studies and adjunct professor of political science at Columbia University. Writing in Foreign Affairs, Waltz pointed out that there are few options outside of military force to prevent a country from becoming a nuclear power. The historical record indicates that a country bent on acquiring nuclear weapons can rarely be dissuaded from doing so. If Tehran determines that its security depends on possessing nuclear weapons, sanctions are unlikely to change its mind. He then made the case for proliferating nuclear weapons based on the assertion that they deter reckless behaviors and promote peaceful coexistence between nuclear adversaries. Despite a widespread belief to the contrary, Iranian policy is made not by mad mullahs, but by perfectly sane ayatollahs who want to survive just like any other leaders. Although Iran's leaders indulge in inflammatory and hateful rhetoric, they show no propensity for self-destruction. If Iran goes nuclear, Israel and Iran will deter each other, as nuclear powers always have. There has never been a full-scale war between two nuclear-armed states. Most important, policymakers and citizens in the Arab world, Europe, Israel, and the United States should take comfort from the fact that history has shown that where nuclear capabilities emerge, so too does stability. When it comes to nuclear weapons, now as ever, more may be better. Waltz's views may not be mainstream, but they have been influential and provide intellectual cover for those who don't see an existential threat to Israel in a nuclear Iran. 
They have also found a receptive audience among foreign policy experts who believe that Iran will never voluntarily give up its quest for nuclear weapons, leaving a dangerous and destabilizing military option as the only alternative for preventing it. In this context, an Israeli-Iranian nuclear standoff and coexistence is the more attractive, logical option. These views and their implications will be tested in the chapters ahead.